Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Living My Catholic Faith. I'm your host, Deacon Wally Calabrese, and I'm glad that you're here this evening. I did ask uh, last week if you had any topics that you'd like for us to discuss, and I was presented a topic, a topic of fallen away Catholics, especially those who are in our family. So I thought that would be a good topic to have this evening, and as we prepare, believe it or not, in three short weeks for Lent, I think it is something that we should think about and something that we should talk about and something that we should reflect on. But before we begin, let's begin like we always do with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you humble of heart, asking for your guidance and your wisdom as we broach topics of our faith, especially with our family members who might have fallen away from the faith, and how do we bring them home? We ask for your blessings and your grace to have those conversations with our family members in charity and in love. And we ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this can be a difficult topic. It could be one that affects many households, many Catholic families where we have either our sons or daughters uh, fall away from the faith and they fall into secularism, if you will. Society seems to be a little bit more fun and engaging than going to Mass every Sunday and living a sacramental life. Or we could have uh, sons or daughters marry to someone who's not Catholic or not of Christian faith, and they fall away from the faith, even though that we've done everything we can to raise and rear our children in the faith and to experience the love and grace of God in this wonderful faith that we call ours. Now, what's interesting and sad is, you know, parents take it as a shot on the chin that it's their fault that their child left the faith or is not practicing the faith or their grandchildren are not baptized in the faith or their uh, child's partner is quasi-religious. In other words, I'll, I'll act like I'm religious in front of your, your parents, but reality is I really don't care about the faith one way or the other, which puts a strain on your child and their relationship with you sometimes. So what do we do as parents? What do we do as grandparents? Well, first and foremost, what we should always do is pray. You know, we pray and we constantly pray, even though as painful as it may be to see that our children and our grandchildren are probably not as receptive to the faith as we are, but we still want to pray that they will be open to the faith, that they will be receptive to returning home and becoming, you know, that, that child of God again and, and living the faith fully to the extent possible and with all the graces that they've, they've been given through the sacraments of baptism, First Holy Communion, reconciliation, and confirmation. We want them to, to experience the faith, and we want them to live the faith, and we want them to practice the faith daily, not just on weekends that they show up or you know uh, having conversations that get heated because we don't know how to respond. So how do we respond? Well, first and foremost, I think we need to respond in charity. What I mean by charity is we need to respond in a gentle tone, if you will. 
one that is inviting, not one that is condemning. Um, I'm thinking of uh, St. Ambrose, as a matter of fact, as St. Ambrose, he stated that maintaining a spirit of gentleness and mercy. Gentleness and mercy. In fact, he says, and I quote, if the highest end of virtue is that which aims at the advancement of most, gentleness is the most lovely of all, which does not hurt even those whom it condemns, and usually renders those whom it condemns worthy of absolution. Moreover, it is the only virtue which has led to the increase of the church, which the Lord sought at the price of his own blood, imitating the loving kindness of heaven and aiming at the redemption of all, seeks this end with a gentleness which the ears of men can endure, in presence of which their hearts do not sink, nor their spirits quail. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful uh, paragraph from St. Ambrose uh, concerning repentance. And that's what we're asking our loved ones to do who are falling away from the faith, falling away from the church, is to consider their repentance into coming home and coming back to the faith. But notice it's with gentleness and mercy. We don't want to frighten people away. We don't want to be the ones bouncing their our Bibles off their heads and condemning them to hell, that they're going to go to hell if they don't return to the church. You know, we don't want to scare them away, and we don't want to make this faith one which seems so distant and so unreal. We want them to have a loving and intimate relationship with Jesus, not just in word, but Jesus the person. And how do they have a relationship with a person? Do we scare the person into a relationship? That doesn't work. We want to invite them in a loving and passionate and compassionate way. We want to be compassionate. And that doesn't mean that we water down the truth. No, we don't water down the truth, but we don't have to be vulgar and we don't have to be angry and we don't have to be mean and we don't have to uh, always say that we're right. You know, sometimes we have to meet the people where they're at. Sometimes we need to be compassionate where someone is at in their journey on faith. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I was one of them that left the faith for a while. I mean, I didn't denounce the faith, but I was definitely not practicing the faith. When I met Amy in 1990, I was anything but a practicing Catholic. You know, my time in the Marine Corps, you know, I had every opportunity to go to Mass either Saturday night or Sunday, and I, I knew I was supposed to go to Mass either Saturday night or Sunday, uh, but I chose not to. You know, I didn't want to be the one walking to the chapel by myself. I, you know, I had all kinds of excuses why I didn't want to do it. I wanted to hang out with everybody else, drink beer, party, and have a great time. I didn't care about going to Mass. That, that wasn't important to me, even though I was a confirmed Catholic, even though I said that I took this faith very seriously when I was confirmed. But the reality was I wasn't. And unfortunately, you know, this doesn't do any good for anybody, but, you know, the polls state about 80% of our youth walk away from the faith. You know, they they don't want to participate in it. They don't want to practice it. They don't want to live it because of everything out in society is alluring them to do it that way versus living a Catholic Christian way. 
I know that doesn't help the parents and grandparents right now, but I mean, it's also a reality, one that we have to understand and one that we need to try to figure out how to make better. And I think the way St. Ambrose approaches it is one that is correct and, and one worthy of our time and energy to pursue, which is to pursue our family members and friends and loved ones in a gentle way, with gentleness, not to fear-monger them, because that doesn't necessarily work. In, in fact, it doesn't work. But gentleness does. Compassion does. To bring people back home towards the love of God and for the love of God. But we have to have the compassion and gentleness within, the, within our hearts in order to convey that. And I think that's what happened with uh, myself because of Amy's compassion and her gentleness after we got married and wanting to go to Mass and yearning to go to Mass. Now, I mentioned also that we should consider where people are at and what they're, how they're doing on their journey right now, their spiritual journey, if you will. And one great example to always use is the Samaritan woman. Now, I'm pretty sure everybody should be familiar with the story of Jesus at the well and the Samaritan woman. And it would be very unusual during his time to speak to a Samaritan, let alone a woman who was unescorted. But yet he did. And although he said that he, he thirsted, and later on we hear that, that, word, that phrase again when he's on the cross, how he thirsted, it, it, it's more than just a physical thirst. It's a thirst for her salvation, in this case, our salvation, our faith, if you will. Now this Samaritan woman... She went to this well every day to draw water, and it's a physical necessity. But again, it's deeper than that. The woman had many disappointments in her life, like you know, like each and every one of us. She was thirsty for the meaning in her life. She was thirsty for her meaning in her life. Now, that happens with a lot of people. They're 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 trying to figure out their way. So here is a perfect example this deeper meaning of the woman at the well who was searching, if you will, yearning for the meaning in her life. She was thirsty for love, and that's what our kids are thirsty for. They're, they're yearning. They're, they're trying to adapt. They're trying to understand how to express this love and understand this love. Then Jesus pointed out to her that she had been married five times and now was living with the sixth man. Her life thirst was not being satisfied. She was very unhappy. She wasn't finding an authentic love. She didn't find anyone or anything to satisfy that deep longing of her heart until she met Jesus. Now, isn't that the same for all of us? We're always searching for something. And we sometimes are searching in the wrong direction, and we can always accumulate more money. We can always accumulate more things. We can always accumulate more, more, more but more is never enough. It's never been enough. We're always continuing to search, but yet sometimes those with the least, those who have an authentic relationship with Christ, a real relationship with Christ, now they find true meaning in life. They find that true happiness in life. And they understand what it is that they're, that they're searching for, that deeper relationship with Christ. And sometimes on our journey, we get confused. 
And that's why it's nice to have her as this wonderful example to understand what that thirst really demonstrates for us, that deeper meaning of I thirst. Now, our Lord spoke to the Samaritan woman about the living water that he would give, the water that would truly quench her thirst and become in her a spring of water welling up to eternal life. How awesome is that? To truly understand that the water that Jesus gives is eternal life, brings us eternal life forever to be with him. Now, this is the water we all thirst for, the living water of the Holy Spirit. It's the water that satisfies our infinite thirst. And again, think about those relationships. Think about your relationship with Christ. And if you're in a deep, wonderful, loving relationship with him, isn't your thirst quenched? Don't you feel fulfilled? Don't you feel like you have an understanding what your meaning in life is here and how joyful it is to express that love that Christ bestowed on you, but to, to share that with everybody? And that authentic love is what our kids and our grandkids, our brothers, our sisters, those who have fallen away from the church, that's what they're looking for. And we don't, and again, we don't water down the truth, but we do it in an authentic love, one in which that they will be receptive to, that they would have no, no choice but to be receptive to it because we're presenting it in charity, in gentleness, mercy, with God's love, Jesus' love, which I think is, is truly wonderful and, and inspiring and something that should be spread throughout all the world. Now, Pope Francis wrote about this, and he states, he stated, man of every time and place desires a full and beautiful life, just and good, a life that is not threatened by death, but that can mature and grow to fullness. Man is like a traveler who, crossing the deserts of life, thirsts for the living water, gushing and fresh, capable of quenching his deep desire for light, love, beauty, and peace. We all feel this desire. And Jesus gives us this living water. He is the Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and whom Jesus pours out into our hearts. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, Jesus tells us. And I think that is a beautiful quote from Pope Francis and how it, this relationship and how every man is truly thirsting for that desire to be loved by Christ. And Christ is there. He, he's willing and able to provide this life quenching thirst, if you will, by providing the water that, that will bring us life eternal if only we accept it. And if we accept it, what do we do with it? Do we keep it all to ourselves? or do No, no, we don't keep it all to ourselves. We share this wonderful gift that he provides to us. We share it with everyone. And again, through gentleness, through charity, through mercy, being the image of God's love towards all. Now, I mentioned earlier that Lent is coming up in three short weeks. March 2nd would be Ash Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. And on Ash Wednesday, we begin our Lenten journey. 
and Lent is a time for us to quench our thirst to rediscover the meaning of our life in Christ. This is a special time for us to encounter Jesus like the Samaritan woman at the well and to be transformed by our encounter with Jesus like she was. This is a perfect time for us to start having those conversations with our brothers and sisters who have fallen away from the church and, you know, invite them back. Explain to them why Lent is so important. Explain to them using this example of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well, and to be transformed by that encounter like she was. He wants, he, Jesus, wants to give us this living water. This is why he came to earth, that we might have life and have it abundantly. Now, sin is an, is an obstacle to that full life in Christ. We have a tendency to sin. We have a tendency to have anger. We have a tendency to rash judgments. We have a tendency to take for granted people who are with us. We have a tendency to take for granted those who are away from, from the church as well. We have a tendency to judge. We have a tendency to cast judgment. Yet we forget that we are measured by what we give and what we don't give. So I would ask that we spend this time during Lent, as we prepare for Lent, but especially during Lent, to have a deeper conversion to the Lord. You know, have your moment, your, your, your time at the well with Jesus. Replace the Samaritan woman with yourself. But maybe you're not married five times. Maybe you're just having difficulties with something. At that, at that well, have that conversation with Jesus, just as the Samaritan woman did. Invite your children. Invite your brothers and sisters. Invite your family members who have fallen away from the church to have that conversation with Jesus. Invite them back to Mass. Sit with them. Answer any questions that they might have. If you don't know the answers, that's okay to say that you don't know the answers and to say that you'll, you'll find the answers later. What can you do? What can't you do? So these are all very important things of what we can and can't do. And again, I, I mentioned the fact that we, we want to make sure that we are being gentle and we're using mercy because, again, when we think about it, and we, we bring this into that, what's that old saying? You can catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. Well, it's true. You can. You know, preaching the truth with compassion, showing others the freedom and peace that's possible through the church, through the sacraments, will attract more than a harsh rebuke will. Showing them what it means to live their baptismal promises. Showing them what it means to live in a way filled with the Holy Spirit, those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit that we received at confirmation. Spending time with them to understand how God's grace works through each and every one of us daily. And yes, it can be a struggle. There's no doubt about it. It, it. There can be a struggle, and the struggle sometimes is very emotional. Sometimes it's very spiritual. Sometimes it can feel very physical. 
what are these issues and struggles that we're having if we're not able to have the conversation, if we're not able to listen in compassion and then answer and understand that there's this, there this old saying, you know, there's certain things we don't talk about. You know, as family members, we don't talk about sex, we don't talk about money, we don't talk about religion. Well, why not? Why don't we talk about our faith? We talk about everything else. Why not talk about our faith? Why not have the adult conversation or the age-appropriate conversation if, if, if they're younger and they're, and they're having difficulties and they're struggling? You know, people want to have conversations about transgenderism. People want to have conversations about homosexuality. People want to have uh, conversations about everything else. Why wouldn't we want to have a conversation about all eternity? All eternity with our Lord. And you can do so very compassionately. You can do so and, and, and do it in a way where you're, you're telling them that you're not being a hypocrite because you're, you're saying that you don't want them making the same mistakes that you made, that I made. You know, it's one of the things I tried to get across to my children and my sons-in-law. We, we, we tell you things and we bring things up not because we're casting stones. It's because we don't want you to make the same mistakes that we did. Make your own mistakes, but try not to make the same mistakes that we did. Because the struggles are sometimes difficult, and not everybody can handle those struggles. Not everybody, not everybody is equipped to handle those, those fears. And where do you go to? And who do you go to? If the conversation leads down that road, and sometimes this happens, well, I don't like Father so-and-so, well, that's, that's not a reason to abandon your faith. Or I don't like Deacon so-and-so, again, that's not a reason to abandon your faith. Why would you want to abandon your faith over that? When looking at God's infinite mercy and understanding the joy that's there by being an active participant in his love, and this expression of his love is at the church through the reception of the sacraments by, by which we gain the grace and the strength to move forward, it's a beautiful thing. How do we express that? How do we bring that to our brothers and sisters who have fallen away? And again, I would invite you to spend time with the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan, and also with that wonderful quote that we use from St. Ambrose. So that's about the most I have for that particular topic for right now. I invite you to Continue to please keep me in your prayers, and I will keep you in mind. I also invite you to visit my website, www.deaconwallycalibres.com. No, Forgot my own website, www.deaconwallycalibres.com. There you can find information about my books. You can find information about retreats and missions that I can provide at your parish. If you're so inclined, uh, you can contact Nick Scott. His information is down there. And invite us out to your parish. We would love to come out and visit with you. We think it would be a lot of fun, and we love spreading God's good word and his love for, for all of us and to grow into a deeper and wonderful relationship with him. Until next time, 
May God continually bless you and protect you and bring you to everlasting life. Amen.